podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Hey! Lovely. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Pod 429. We've got two games to review this week. Uh, Thanks to the fixture computer, a defeat at Everton, and a win against May United in the last game of the 2021-22 season. Uh, To review those two games with me, I have Kevin Day. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Lovely to have you back on the pod. Lovely to be here. I'm not entirely sure why I haven't been for the past three or four weeks, but I feel the coldness on my shoulder from where I've not been touched by it. Now I'm mixing the metaphors there. You can't feel cold on the shoulder because you've not been touched by a barge pole, can you? Uh, you can. You personally can. But I, I feel like, I feel like I've been in some sort of podcast Siberia for reasons I don't understand. So I've, I've been speaking to Julian Chenry about it, but he doesn't understand either. Okay. Who knows? Not a question for on air. I will talk to your agent about that afterwards. <laughs> but in the meantime, completely discreet. My agent doesn't give a fuck for what you're or not. <laughs> uh, I know, because I've spoken to her. Uh, also here, uh, Dom Fivefield. <laughs> Dom doesn't have an agent, so it'd be very easy to ignore him. Uh, hello to you. Hello. How, how tanned you're looking, JD. Thank you very much. Four <laughs> days in Cornwall. We'll do that oh, to well. you. Uh, so I'm glad you noticed. Thank you very much. Um, before we get on to, well, two games uh, to review and loads of questions from our listeners, of course, um, let's do a drum roll for a random patron, please. It's Mr. Sean O'Sullivan. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Hello, Sean. Thank you very much for joining the patron. And you can get all the rewards like Sean does, which includes post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access to patron-only Discord club at patron.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash F-Y-P podcast uh, and we're planning lots of mid-season pods as well for our patrons uh, so keep an eye out for those as well patrons get 20 percent off our merchandise uh, but anyone can buy our merchandise at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash fyp hyphen podcast including a new i say new released it in november um fyp themed football shirt we can get your own name and number on the back uh, which is lovely so do check that out as well um Really, last shout out for my Brighton Friend show, which is this this Sunday, Sunday the 29th at 4.15pm at the Caxton Arms, which, yes, is a Brighton-themed pub. But uh, if you know anyone local who's a Brighton fan, the show has a lot of 
material about how Palace are ridiculous. So they might like it as well. Uh, so please do come along. Surprisingly, the show has already sold quite well, which is great, but we'd love to get some more people in as well. Tickets are £5 from brightonfringe.org. So please do come down. Um, and we've got a sponsor this week, guys. What? Hey. We've got oh, yeah. our friends. <laughs> you can wait if you want to. Our friends at Eternity Home Finance are sponsoring the pod this week. Uh, we love them dearly and we appreciate their support this season. They are, of course, a Croydon-based family-supporting, a Croydon-based palace-supporting family-run mortgage and protection advisors. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. And uh, big thanks to everyone at Eternity Home Finance for sponsoring us this season. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, so let's move on to, well, Kevin, two games to do mm. this week. Normally when that happens, we end up talking about the most recent game, which was a win out of the mm. two. But funnily enough, we've got more questions about the Everton game, mm. uh, the 3-2 defeat, spectacular 3-2 defeat, uh, our last Thursday, over a week ago, uh, than we do for the May night game. So we might as well talk about that because... Yes, the season had been done for us in many ways, although there were still places to play for. Everton, of course, needed a victory to stay up. The manner of the defeat, 2-0 up at half-time, 3-2 at full-time, uh, was obviously the talking point. And David Kent, one of our loyal listeners, hello, David, hello. says, hello. when we were 2-0 up against Everton, did anyone else apart from me know that we were going to lose? It was, Kevin, in many ways, a hashtag typical Palace way to lose that game. Yeah, probably for the first time this season that you could use the term typical palace because uh, it hasn't been typical palace this season. I was rather hoping that one of those pods you had invited me to do recently had talked about the Everton game so we could concentrate on a positive end to the season. <laughs> of course, it was uh, the, the game. Was, uh, I don't think there was anybody at half time in that game who was thinking about the football rather than the fact that. At some stage in that second half, Everton fans were going to be on the pitch. The atmosphere at half-time, when we were tuning up comfortably, cruising, what Everton had barely laid a glove on us, the atmosphere in that stadium was febrile. It was awful. It was quite clear that at some stage, Everton fans would come on the pitch and probably attempt to stop the game. Or at the very least, if they did get a goal back, in celebration and it's also quite clear that for reasons known only to them and we are trying to find this out and we've had hints from various local journalists that the, the Everton Football Club uh, the Merseyside Police and the match officials did nothing whatsoever to prevent that happening and to ensure the safety of the players of Crystal Palace um, I think there are a lot of questions to be answered. It, it entirely overshadows the second half performance because the second half was played in an atmosphere of fear and tension. I, I think the image of, of Eze, who's one of the most delightful young people I've ever heard spoken of, the image of him being confronted by that piece of shit waving a, a flare in his face was just despicable. It was awful. And that was only one of many events. You know, people laugh about the fact that Anderson got touched on the bum. The fact that the fan was close enough to do that was out of order. And, and it, it's clear there are indications beforehand, speaking to Everton fans, as I've been doing this week, that everyone knew Everton fans would be on the pitch at some stage. They knew it would happen. It was planned. And yet still, 
Merseyside Police did nothing. Everyone knows that the Palace coaching staff approached Anthony Taylor during the first pitch invasion and said that they were scared for the player's safety and he did nothing, as indeed he did at Millwall when he was confronted with a bottle that had been thrown at Elise. Uh, I, I think it was outrageous. I think the FA will charge Patrick Vieira um, but I'm hoping that the silence, I'm hoping that the silence that's coming from both sides indicates that there's an invest- investigation going on into the behaviour of the fans because you know you, it, it's, it, it shouldn't have been allowed to happen. It was it was it was outrageous. Yes, we we played very poorly in the second half. Last after they went uh, to all, I don't blame any of our players for wanting that game to be finished as quickly as they, as it possibly could. So I don't really think you can judge that second half as you would judge a normal half of football, to be perfectly honest. Um, We've had a question from Lord Fortune 293 on that silence from both clubs to that, uh, to the events. Although I don't know when he sent the question in, so I don't know as a time of recording, whether that's still true or not, but he's put, does the silence from Thursday to Sunday on social media from our players. All right. Mean the club is working on a complaint to the Premier League and the FA about events uh, on the pitch invasion. Dom, I think I saw, yesterday or today that Vieira isn't going to get charged, I think. Is that right? Do you know any of the latest in terms of investigations or anything like that? Right. So, so Merseyside police were the first to say that they, they weren't investigating either Vieira or the supporter, despite the fact that the supporter, like the thousands who encroached upon the playing surface was technically breaking the law. Uh, They, they did that pretty, pretty early. Um, and then we were all braced really for the Football Association charging Patrick Vieira with for his reaction. But common sense prevailed with the FA, and I don't think I've ever said that in 22 <laughs> years covering football. Common, they they announced yesterday that I say this this is this is on Wednesday that Vieira wouldn't face any charge from them. Um, and that is a reflection of the provocation that he was subjected to by the supporter. And you can see it on Twitter. I think yeah. most most of the listeners will have done. Um, the There is an investigation ongoing at the FA into the pitch invasion, um, which, you know, as they are, they, they will, there will be a fine to Everton on that, on that front. It won't be points. It will be a fine. Palace have, were requested by the FA to submit um, their own um, evidence, their own what they'd seen, what they'd experienced, and they've actually gone one step further and have compiled quite an extensive video montage of of various incidents that happened with their players and with Vieira on the on the evening, and that has gone into the FA and will presumably influence um th- what they find in the end and it will be a ch- it will be a charge for Everton and it will be a fine I'd be amazed if that if that wasn't the case and it will be the same for Nottingham Forest for what happened with Billy Sharp and Sheffield United uh, the, the pre or two days prior to that I think it was yeah um and it Port will be vale fans as well Port vale. yeah yeah Port Vale and and look it could happen anywhere where there's a pitch invasion to be honest there was a pitch invasion at Dorking Wanderers on Saturday um mm. It, 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 they are all open to be fined. Um, I I completely agree with with Kev in terms of that atmosphere that they they were going to come onto the pitch. They it was always going to happen. I mean, the, the scenes, even by Everton standards, and and we have to you have to put it into context. Everton have mobilised their supporters. Yeah. They have they, that is their that was their attempt to rouse the team. So the, the last 
five, six home games of the season, in which their results have been pretty good, in fairness. Um, you've had, from about five o'clock for evening games, Goodison Road being absolutely rammed. And it was it was more rammed on that Thursday night than it had been in the previous fixtures. Um, I, was, I was in the press room, which you enter through Goodison Road, and at about five twenty, I think it was, uh, they told us that they'd had to, they had to close the doors at the press room because the flare smoke was in danger of setting off the smoke alarms in the stadium and causing the fixture to be postponed. Wow! I mean, it was it was it was that intense. Um, so they closed the doors in. It was rammed outside when the Everton bus turned up. Palace were in a different part of the ground. They're going through the the, the park end between the park and the Bullens Road. Um, so that they that they weren't really affected in terms of being intimidated when they when they arrived at the ground but the atmosphere that from pre-match was maintained throughout the game itself it was it was it was febrile it was it was it was brutal it was it was it was actually it was brilliant while it remained while people remained off the pitch it yeah. was incredible atmosphere and at half time it was turning uh, it was pretty brutal. It was quite a clever move from from Frank Lampard to send Deli Ali out to mm. to warm up during half time because I think people Everton fans realised that he was going to change something. If Palace had won that game, weirdly, I wouldn't have feared for for Palace's yeah. um, safety. I wouldn't have wanted to be Bill, Bill Kenwright at that fixture. He would have been in for some serious trouble there. I mean, that would have been it. Would have been awful. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this was a lesser of two evils because it was still dreadful. You know, and, and what the Palace players were subjected to was grim. And what Vieira was subjected to was very, very grim. But but strangely, it was probably, I mean, uh, there are a few Evertonians who were breathing a, in the director's box who were breathing a heavy sigh of, of relief at the end. Oh, Dominic, can I ask you two questions about that? Uh, firstly, why is it that Man City within five minutes almost of the pitch invasion where the Villa keeper got hurt were able to apologise publicly and announce that they would identify the people who did it and make sure they were banned from the ground forever and Everton haven't done that is that some kind of legal thing and secondly why why do you think the Everton fans are blaming Bill Kenwright I mean they 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 toddled along quite nicely under Kenwright for quite some time admittedly with no investment their problems have really started since since the big money came in yeah. and and has been been spent very very badly sure it's the it's the current ownership surely that's got got more to answer for than than Kenwright's previous administration isn't it well, I, I agree with you, but Kenwright is a visible one. He's the one who's at oh, the games. Okay. Mashiri's right, right, not there. Right. Usmanov's under sanction. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's the one that, that bears the brunt. He always has done. Um, I think Everton fans, are, well, they're disgruntled anyway because they haven't won a major trophy since 1995. And for them, that's unacceptable, not least when, you know, the team over the road at that yeah. point were on course to win four trophies this season. Um, anyway, but that's 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 their problem. That's their politics. In terms of the other thing, and I have to be slightly careful here because Everton are one of the most litigious clubs out there. Huh. Quite frankly, huh. it's down to incompetence. Oh, I mean, that's okay. what it is. I mean, Manchester City moved swiftly and... Um, and got that statement out and did it in a really professional manner. And uh, Everton, Everton were, if I'm honest, everything, everybody at Everton, everybody associated with Everton, and I include the media department in that, clearly the board of directors and anyone of any power, was so over the moon that they'd won the game and stayed up. They weren't right. interested in contemplating anything else. Yeah. There was no, I mean, 
pitch invasions. What are you going to bring this down? And I and I and I and I'll refer you back to something that happened a few weeks ago. They they beat Chelsea one 0 Richarlison scored the goal, and Richarlison picked up the flare and threw it into the into the Everton fans. When on the next morning, the newspapers all carried pictures of Richarlison throwing that flare into the into the crowd. The suggestion from the club relates via third party to me was they were outraged that that was the coverage that 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 was the image that was used and it wasn't a picture of glorious Everton scoring a goal or glorious Everton supporting um supporters celebrating uh because they they didn't feel it was the story the fact that somebody threw a lit smoke bomb into a stand wasn't the story I mean that just sums them up unfortunately well also I mean Frank Lampard will claim quite rightly, that he didn't know the full extent of what had gone on. But his comments immediately yeah. afterwards, what are you going to do, handcuff the fans to their seats? I've yeah. tried to talk to Vieira, but there were some idiots in the way. I mean, that's that's the sort of comment you would hope from a decent manager, which he quite clearly is, and a decent person, which I can't comment on, that he would then afterwards say, um, you know, I, I probably hadn't said that. But clearly he's so worried about upsetting his own fans and not going yeah. to say it. But, uh, yeah, I, I hate to say this, I don't see how Everton fans are going to be less angry next season because they're not going to have money to spend on players. But uh, what's your instinct, Dominic, while we are still talking about Everton, you know, very high-profile attempts by Leeds and Burnley uh, to take action legally either against Everton themselves or against the Premier League? I'm not sure how seriously Leeds will take. My understanding was that there was a pact between Leeds and Burnley that whoever was relegated, the other <laughs> one would still still take part in the legal action. Whether Leeds had taken it as seriously, I don't know. How do you think that will play out? I think it will. It will drag on. It will drag on. It won't. It won't result in a points deduction no, for this no, season, no. which is basically what Leeds and and Burnley were yeah. clinging to for hope um it, there might be a fine in the future if if they if it can be proved that they they distorted the figures slightly and put more of it down to covid losses and the fact that they've been paying ridiculous ridiculous wages to substandard players for an awfully long time um but it's it just it, it's sort of a can of worms it's a can of worms that the the, the premier league desperately didn't want to have opened um yeah. it's really awkward and difficult situation for them um everton don't seem to be that bothered at the moment in the same way they're not bothered when the opposing players get threatened or the manager gets attacked post match so you know it's funny uh, i thought i thought you were going to say Kevin, sorry kevin i thought you were going to say dom a minute ago that everyone at the club and the media department were really embarrassed by those scenes but they're uh, quite clearly not they were they were members mad. of the hierarchy there who, who were who were there in a I mean, look, I, I get it. Okay, I, uh, staying up. A lot of these guys keep their jobs. I mean, that, that's yeah. like you have to bear that in mind. There is an emotional attachment beyond just being a fan. But the but the outpouring at the end of that game was was so emotional, with tears in the press box, etc. That you just think, well, is it possible to get a rational decision, or indeed, a, you know, the, the type of statement that was required at that time um, from from them? And it, and it really wasn't. It wasn't the time. They didn't want to address it. Yeah, I just think, Kevin, though, if it had been Palace or maybe any other club, or certainly Palace and those kind of scenes had happened, I think there would be contrition from the club. And I think people would feel embarrassed about it, even if we had stayed up on the last day. You'd like to think so. You'd also like to think that Palace fans, a couple of days later, would would you know take a cold, hard look at themselves and... and, and... Self-police and say, this is, you know, we're, we're embarrassed and ashamed by the, the way our fans behaved. But there's no indication of that from Everton fans. If I was an Everton fan, I wouldn't be particularly happy at 
being 5-1 down at Arsenal in the last game of the season and celebrating as though we just won the championship ourselves when the news that Liverpool hadn't came through. It, it, it's strange that Everton are a club... I've always had a soft spot for Everton. It's strange sort of way. I think I've got a soft spot for every club who isn't the main club in the city because we don't support the main club in the city. You know, that that old tatty stadium, we know how that feels. They've always been a club that I quite admire, but I, for a lot of people, Everton have, have become the bogey team in the Premier League this season. And that's, you know, that that's a sad reflection on the vast majority of Everton fans who are decent, honourable people who support in the club with, with great... A tradition, but they haven't conducted themselves well. The, the sheer notion that they, when when Newcastle tried to write off forty million of their losses as COVID-based, and Everton are trying to write off one hundred and seventy million, it is just brazen. It's shamefaced. And the, and the, the fact is as well, even without the one hundred and seventy million they're claiming as COVID losses, they are way in breach of financial fair play regulations and the other clubs in the in the division who would happily do the same thing are entitled to ask why nothing's being done if i would bet 365 the owners of stoke who could buy and sell most clubs in the premier league i'd be saying well if if, if financial fair play regulations are going to be ignored we'll spend as much money as it takes to build a squad to get us into the, the premier league so as dominic says the premier league are in a really difficult situation the premier league is made up of the clubs that are in it and most of them are probably thinking there, but for the grace of God, go I keep your head low. Let's not draw attention to this. But if, if you find yourself out of the Premier League and you think you've obeyed the rules, as Burnley have done, then you're going to you're going to make a fuss. You know, uh, the difficulty for Burnley is that in any other season other than this, when they have been a really well won club, they would have a better argument than they have this time because relegation for Burnley is a disaster for the new owners who bought the club on a leverage buyout. Hmm. I mean, th- there is also, I think, uh, an epidemic of of fan uh, pitch invasions, and, and this is we, we've seen them before. I mean, I've 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 been in one at Stockport two thousand and one. I ran on the pitch when I was fifteen, and I didn't attack anyone. I actually actually grabbed some of the grass where Friedman scored from, stuck it in my drawer, and then a few <laughs> months later, my mum opened it and thought I had a drug problem. So that was a whole. <laughs> whole other thing <laughs> well that along with your whole demeanor as well the fact that you're being, <laughs> being two minutes behind the rest of the world that probably didn't help either um but i well, don't the... I, there seems to be a real problem at the moment of of the pitch invasions turning ugly and and people getting attached which i've never seen before well, and yet I, I, it's happening it's, a lot I, i'm getting quite cross with tabloid psychologists who say well it's it's quite clear the pent-up anxiety of covid and being away from football for so long uh, it's it's exuberance gone one notch too high. That's bollocks. And I thought it was really interesting watching the Halifax Chesterfield playoff game the other night in the Vanarama when uh, Chesterfield had two thousand away fans and five minutes from the end when they were winning, what looked like every copper in West Yorkshire turned up and and was paraded along the front of the Chesterfield fans to make sure they couldn't get on the pitch. So there are ways of, of stopping it. There are ways of appealing to most decent fans who will stay in the in their seat if they're told to. Uh, it's and it, it, it it's just a shame that we've now spent 22 minutes talking about this situation when we've got a really good game to talk about on on Sunday, but it has to be talked about because, f- frankly, I, I don't think the feelings of Palace players, and also nobody's really talked about the fans that were there. It must have been a terrifying evening for Palace fans that were there. No, no, one, no one's talked about that. No one's really talked about how terrifying it must have been for for, for Palace players because it's, it's their place of work. I know it's become a cliche this week. It's their place of work. If you see the wide shot of Vieira 
and the white sort of Eze means that there's not a steward or a policeman anywhere near them. The only people you can see in those in those pictures are, are Vieira and Eze, surrounded by Everton fans with what with what intent they don't know. And and Will, Jordan Ayew was a hero in that situation, because Wilf could quite possibly have missed the game on Sunday and half of the start of next season because yeah. Wilf was going to nut that or yeah. Wilf was going to take yeah. physical action on that fan that, that yeah. taunted him and Ayu did a Ayu did a fantastic job to hold him back because you can see how angry Wilf was and Wilf would have got the better of that confrontation and it, and, you know this is just, that, that not enough is being said about Palace in this situation as is being said about Everton Palace will make that point to the FA and and the, and the supporters thing is a good is, is a is a very very valid point because apparently two smoke bombs were thrown into, into the, the away end oh, really? and one of them one yeah, of them hit yeah, a yeah. fan yeah. so they didn't know that. You know, that that is I mean that's that's ridiculous situation there um so that will all be in the, in Palace's report, but it, it, I suspect it'll just mean that they chuck another twenty grand on the fine. It won't yeah, be. Yeah. He won't even pay. He won't be a fine that, that equates more to than Richarlison's probably half weekly wage. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 oh, this it's, is the thing, Dom, because we had a question from PC Wise who said, "What would you consider a fair punishment?" Which I mean, obviously, it's not not really for us to say, and we obviously won't uh, be there for the outcome. Club fine, games behind doors, or points deductions, but. Looking at the history of what the Premier League do, from what you're saying, it sounds like it would just be a fine and nothing more. I, I suspect it will be a fine. I mean, I suppose behind closed doors is a good threat to to, to wave at people now because we know that football can be staged behind closed doors, not in a pleasant way. Obviously, it's dreadful. It's, it would be brutally harsh on the... Um, on the away support, oh, that's, in that, that sense, I suppose it gives it, it gives the away team a chance. But I mean, I, I suspect it will just be, it'll just be a, fi- a fine ultimately. Also, uh, I think it has to be said in the interest of balance that uh, every away fan, every away game I've been to this season, Millwall especially, there were quite a few flares let off by Palace yeah, fans in, yeah. Oh, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the away end, and they are. Uh, they're an intimidating, even if you know they're being let off in a sense of jubilation and celebration, they are. And so also what I don't understand is, I mean, I know if, if you're a zero hours steward getting virtually nothing to search people, but these are quite big. These are things are about two feet long. How are they getting in? I mean, especially the Everton fans who are brat- literally waving them at the turnstiles as they're going in the ground. It's, it's like they sh- you, it makes you wonder at the, at the middle of the away game, especially when the, the searches were quite strict. How are these people getting in with these huge flares that are as weapons? I will let the listeners make their own <laughs> conclusion uh, to the answer there. Um, there will, I just, I'm sure, well, when I just like the idea that all these stewards think there's some well-hung Palace fans going in this game, aren't there? <laughs> these Palace fans are really well endowed, aren't they? <laughs> let's really swiftly move on uh, from that. But obviously, when there's an update on any investigation or anything, we'll, uh, we'll obviously talk about it on the pod. Do you like the sound of free beer? Of of course you do. What a ridiculous question, Jim. Well, our friends at Beer52 will send you not eight, not nine, but ten free beers to your house. And all you've got to do is simply cover the £5.95 for posters. Just go to beer52.com slash FYP to claim your pack of ten free beers now. Beer52 is a monthly beer club where they send their members a fresh case of beer every month. And this month, it's their double Dutch case, which will take you on a beer trip around the Netherlands' finest independent craft 
breweries. Since 2014, Beer 52 and their members have supported over 500 breweries and drunk beer from more than 40 different countries. Much like Palace's substitutes bench this season, the options are endless. You could try a double IPA from two chefs, a cool 7.5%, and there's De Merlin's Up and Top, which is a beautifully easygoing pale ale. On the dark side this month, there's Daily Grind, a sessionable stout from Mercetol. But the power is in your hands, because if you're not a fan of dark beers, you can simply choose the light box. Also included in every case is Ferment Magazine, a magazine all about beers and breweries, and a couple of tasty snacks as well. And after all that, if you're still not satisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. As I said, the power is in your hands. So go to beer52.com slash FYP to claim your free case now. All you've got to do is cover the $5.95 for postage. That's the word beer, the numbers 52.com slash FYP. Let's move on to uh, the final game of the season, Kevin. The, the yeah. good game you, you referenced earlier. One yeah, win yeah. against Manhood. First ever home win against Man United in the Premier League. Sixth clean sheet at home on the bounce. Eighth yeah. game undefeated at home. Fantastic way to end the season. And I've got a question here from, uh, from Bex. Hi, Bex. Hi, Bex. Hi, Bex. Do I have one of the only photos of Kevin smiling at a football match? I don't know. When did you take that? I was... <laughs> oh, before the game... I don't know. There's no uh, other information. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I may have been caught smiling before the game. It's because uh, I managed to get my jacket. I, I inadvertently bared my arms for two minutes and it caused such a fuss in the portions. I had to put my jacket back on. I, I, I thought, I mean, it was great to get that first home win against United. That that five clean sheets in the league, to finish the season with five clean sheets. Six. Well, that, including the cup game, but five league oh, clean okay, sheets. Sorry. Three of which were Man City, Arsenal, Man United was fantastic but also and I don't know Dominic if this says more about Palace than about Man United but it's the first time that I can remember watching a Palace Man United game when I wouldn't have one single Man United player in my squad in my team ahead of what mm. what United had to be perfectly honest and we it was a strange game we deserved to win it I I, I hoped that after we scored the first goal we might because yeah, it was all of us were hoping that we'd get five against Man U just to shut Brighton fans up but we deserve to win, but it's, I mean, that's, how can they be playing Fred and McTominay as two holding defenders in a meaningless game? I thought, I thought there were a couple of moments when Elanga looked like he had the legs of Mitchell early in the first half, but then they stopped getting the ball to him. Fernandes, I'll come on to later, was just, was just sulked and moaned all the way through. I thought we, I thought we approached the game really well. I think there would be an element of relief for Palace players to be back at home at Sellers Park after what happened on Everton. I think we all wondered whether there might be some tiredness, some emotional tiredness, but we we won and we deserved to win. And all I can say is next season, I, I think I'm looking forward to next season more than Man United fans will be. Because <laughs> I think I think Ten Hag may come to regret his comments about breaking the the monopoly of Liverpool and Man City. Because on that evidence. It's going to take some time. And also, you you look, Dominic, I mean, uh, Tottenham have just had a huge cash investment. Chelsea got their new owners. I think that Man United are going to struggle 
struggle to, to attract players there. I, I think what happened to Everton nearly going down is going to make clubs like Palace, West Ham, Brighton, Wolves, Leicester, Newcastle, already has with Villa, it's going to make them more competitive in the in the transfer market. So I, I think United... I think United are going to struggle next season, and I'm I'm really pleased that they went into it on the low of losing losing to us. I think it shows our direction of travel, terrible expression, and and their direction of travel to be at the moment uh, completely different. If it wasn't for West Ham nosing up their part of the bargain, <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't be. So many West Ham fans said, "Don't worry, we'll beat Brighton for you. You beat Man United for us." And if they hadn't done that, we'd finish where we should do, rightfully above above them. But no, I, I was I was delighted. I thought it was brilliant. And it, seeing Raksaki start and look comfortable was a, was another bonus as well. Um, so yeah, it was a great day. Direction of travel, love a little nod to our new sponsors as well. So that's uh, fantastic work. Um, what the estate agents? It's a car company. Oh, is it? I thought you said it's an estate agent. Anyway, um, <laughs> I wonder. I mean, Raksaki <laughs> may turn up in our winners, and I never said it was estate agents. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, Raksaki, you're getting confused with our sponsors, and they're not even estate agents; they're property. Oh, sorry, people. Oh, oh our new uh, the club sponsors. The cl- oh, oh, the right. club. Oh, yes. oh, I see. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, I was confused is, there as well. Yeah, you're working <laughs> on levels. No wonder the, your mum was convinced you were ahead of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's an end of season podcast. We need a pre-season, don't we? Because that that was absolutely appalling. Uh, we are on the beach, big time in this podcast. <laughs> Um, Raksaki may of course turn up in winners and losers in part two mm. I'm sure he might be a contender there but it's interesting Dom isn't it that actually as Kevin was saying there were the two teams uh, between Palace and Man United on Sunday the only team assigned to play for was Man United pushing that for that Europa League yeah. place and Palace very much were done with the season and yet and I have to admit I wasn't there I was in uh, Bude in Cornwall um, getting this fantastic tan that Kevin has mentioned that does not work on an audio format Um uh, Dominic pa- mentioned it. I've got no interest in <laughs> <laughs> the tone of your skin. That <laughs> um, uh, that it was Palace that deserved the win and not Man United, even though they were the ones uh, with something to play for. Yeah, look, I mean, they, they, United have been hopeless for a while. I think they 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 only won one, two games in the Premier League, going all the way back to the middle of March, and hadn't played for over two weeks. And given that they, yeah, this is a club that completely arrogantly obviously but doesn't feel as if it should be competing in the Europa League that wasn't much of an incentive for them even with the threat of dropping into the Europa Conference League it's neither here nor there really I suspect for a large number of those players Um, they're a mishmash of 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 a team of a squad they've got a a head coach who had a head coach at that point um, who he hadn't really been doing that job for a decade and had come from being a sort of director of football at Lokomotiv Moscow. And I think his 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 coaching abilities have been exposed by this stint at Manchester United um, really since the turn of the year. Um I'm I'm uh, it's brilliant that we beat them. I'm I'm there there are I'm slightly disappointed that we didn't absolutely annihilate them but I actually think that was probably down as Kev says to the fact that they that, that group of players would have all been emotionally if not physically um, drained from Thursday night and, and that second half and and staying over in Liverpool that night on, on Thursday night and not getting back down um, to to Beckenham probably until um, Friday afternoon and it, preparations were, were dreadful really so to summon a, a victory a first victory since 1991 against United is is it was a brilliant brilliant way to end the season pleased for Wilf 
pleased with Vieira. I thought the stuff at the end with, with his speech was was superb. Although I'm not quite sure how much he enjoyed the the um, he kicks who he wants chance. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, but but anyway, look, it's 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 just a very very fine and fitting way to end what has felt like a a, a season of resurgence and, and rejuvenation, and it's uh, it was great. Can I ask you a question, Dom? And I know it's about Man United and this is a Palace spot, but it just intrigued me and a lot of people. And it's an indication of the confusion that United seemed to be in. Why was it that Rangnick said afterwards it, that he had no idea Ten Hag was in the stand when Sky had been reporting that fact since Thursday? Every, I knew he was there. Everybody in the Porsons' arms knew he was there, and yet he acted with mock surprise when he was told that Ten Hag had been in the ground and was posing nicely for photographs with Palace fans. That seemed that just seemed to be an indication of the a club that's confused from top to bottom, don't it? To be honest, I think it's a reminder that people don't tell the truth when a microphone is shoved in front of their faces oh, okay. all the time. Oh, well, fair enough. Is that a hint to me and Jim about the pod? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's not tanned at all. <laughs> How dare you? It's all I've got, Dom. <laughs> I just found it. I just found it strange, though, because we were watching the reaction afterwards to the game, and that's that nonsense. Isn't it? It, yeah. it, it, it's all, but it just it was just met with derision, as it as it should do. And if if Palace fans are thinking that, you think well, what the United fans must be thinking? What's what's going on? I mean, as somebody generally of my age who's obsessed with the history of football, for my generation, United are huge a huge deal you don't you, you kind of don't like to see a club like that brought you, well, you do it's hilarious in, in a way but in, do you know what I mean if you've, if you've got any respect for the traditions of of Manchester United football club to, to see them to see the state they're in now is just is ludicrous Randy probably just didn't want to talk about it to be honest I've probably done a disservice there I mean it's a bit of a it's a bit of a fib he just probably didn't want to talk about Ten Hag um, and keep those those conversations private and if he had sort of said oh yeah we've we've spoken then it was an invitation for the journalists to do follow-up questions essentially and and I, I just think that yeah I mean look it's United are a mess but yeah, we don't have to go about that far to, to see Liverpool as a mess. Um, Manchester City were yeah. were a mess for, for years, for a generation. Um, it's Everton are a mess now, and we, we've all seen these clubs hit the heights over the over the years while we've been following a middle of the road club like Palace. So it just happens, and they'll, they'll get their act together. Hopefully, it'll be a, a long time yet because um, it's a hell of a game to catch up they're playing and and, yeah, and yeah. the, the they're sort of caught now aren't they they're, they're sort of in that situation where they desperately need to show signs that they are eating into that gap to to Man City and Liverpool but but they also need time to to actually achieve that and I don't quite know how they fit together um, yeah. because there'll, there'll be an impatience there they, they, the, the supporters won't have it the, the, the ball probably won't have it um, the people who buy the players they probably won't have it as well and it's just whether they, the Ten Hag can, can stamp some authority on it all but to be perfectly honest who cares it's Manchester United <laughs> yeah, yeah, well yeah. I was going to say as well Kevin I mean you don't have to go that, back that far to when we were a mess as yeah, well yeah, and yeah actually, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. as Dom says it's a really nice end to this yes it's a couple of boxes ticked on the history pages of beating May United for the first time in the Premier League but it's a nice time for us to take stock and look of how far we've come this season I know it wasn't quite 50 points you know I know we had that little dip a few weeks ago but when yeah, you think I, about everything we've achieved this season to round I, up I, for the win is lovely I, I, I quite agree I, th- I think it's you, know, you look at social media, which is always a mistake, and you know people are moaning about not getting fifty points, not getting top ten. 
I think a lot of those people are probably people that haven't been at the games because it, it's the evidence of your own eyes that shows what's what's changing and and what's happening. And I, 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 the, the bit I loved most about Vieira's after game comments was this idea of looking ahead with ambition yeah. and the idea that you know next season let's let's not. And I've been guilty of this in the past. I've admitted that. Let's not just say right. Our first, our sole aim is to stay up and then see what happens. Let's look at uh, let's look at improving on what we've done. A positive goal. The only team outside the top eight with a positive goal difference. Our defensive record is really good. All the noises are, and Dominic will know this better than I do. And I'm sure most of the questions about this are that recruitment is 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 looking good. Certainly, I, I spoke to Patrick Vieira. Uh, uh, a fundraising due for the uh, foundation a few weeks ago after the Leeds game, sat at him with, with him at dinner, interviewed him, and he was very positive and upbeat about players coming in and about the season ahead. And it's it's it, it still takes a bit of getting used to, it, to be perfectly honest. Don't, for certainly for older fans, the fact that there's just this general air of competence and upwardness about <laughs> the club, which which we haven't always we haven't always seen. Let's be let's be fair, and also as well again. I was really pleased watching match of the day that the sole focus wasn't on Man United. They they talked about what a good season Palace have had and you know, that we look like a, a team to watch going forward. That's been the biggest excitement for me in a strange sort of way, the way the media have, have reacted to us. Because um, you know, in the past, we'll get yeah, the atmosphere will get a mention. That'll be it. They're well organised. That'll be it. We get the occasional a way winner, a big team, which is treated like an FA Cup shock. That'll be it. But this season, consistently, pundits, people like Jamie Carrigan, Gary Noble have been talking about how much they enjoy watching us play. And I think there's a a respect for Patrick Vieira that probably wasn't there at the start because his his only success has been in, you know, France and, and America, so that doesn't count. I think, I don't think there'll be many people like Chris Sutton uh, at the start of next season saying Palace will be contenders to go down uh, and I hope that we behave like that but yeah no, it, was, it was a fantastic end, end of the season really and just... yeah and we could I mean we could have very very much been now talking about a very different situation you know as you say some of those predictions at the start of the season were not positive and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and who knows we could have been talking now about a different manager in charge of Palace whatever but we are where we are and speaking of looking forward with excitement Kevin we're going to do the same thing now as we take a break nice. for uh, the next part of the podcast, which of course is winners and losers. Uh, so join us um, after this. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. 
an agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air we were breathing was dangerous. Veterans like us are now eligible for new VA care and benefits based on when and where we served. Apply today. Visit va.gov PACT. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fire Man Podcast. Hey. Sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Part two, time for winners and losers. Um, before we do that, real quick shout out uh, for the second leg of the Remph Robert Eaton Memorial Fund match. Speaking of winners and losers, we hope Palace fans are the winners uh, this year. Um after getting tonked last year, but it was mainly because COVID did decimate the Palace squad. Um, so it is tomorrow night or tonight, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, which is Friday, the 27th of May. Um, it's the second leg. The first leg was a one-all draw in Croydon. It's the first time I've ever done two legs. And the second leg is at the Sussex FAHQ at Lansing. Which I, uh, I don't know what the, I don't know what the football club's called there, but anyway, the ground is Culver Road. Um, so do go down and check it out. It's five quid entry. Um, Palace, fa- I don't think they're doing away goals, thankfully, but uh, it's one all from the first leg. Hopefully Palace fans can win that and bring back the trophy to South London for the first time in what feels like a while. It's the mm. 20th anniversary match um, yeah. they've done, which is why they're doing two legs. So a big shout out to Long- uh, Ben Long, Longy, and all the boys uh, bring home the trophy. And if you are local, please do go down and support the boys because I know they will appreciate it. Um, I hate to sound like my uh, father-in-law here, JD, but in those circumstances, decimate isn't too bad. 
decimate actually means losing one out of ten. <laughs> so oh, COVID God. didn't do that okay. badly. No. <laughs> Stems from Roman legions, of course. If a Roman legion ran away in battle, they would uh, kill every tenth legionary. That reminds me of when he only lost one player out of ten. That was all right. That actually would have been. I mean, it was it was more like nine out of ten. That reminds me of when I used to work on the local paper, and I once someone who turned a hundred, I called them. Some old lady had turned a hundred. Some old lady, some lovely old lady, turned a hundred. <laughs> and I, on the front page, I think, or second page in, I called her a centurion. And of course, she was not from the Roman Empire or dressed in metal. Indeed. She was a centenarian. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, so thank you for reminding me of that <laughs> other embarrassing moment in my life, of which there are many. Um, we're going to do winners and losers now. It's a patron-only section, of course. If you want to hear our winners and losers. Go to our patron, patreon.com slash FYP podcast. If you're on the public feed and you're not a patron, you're going to hear a clip from, well, I'll do a little bit from both post match pods this week so you can get a flavor of uh, the sort of thing you can get if you sign up to our patron. But anyway, let's do the split now. The thing about Everton, the way that they approached the second half, they upped that intensity, which I thought Palace did really well in the first half by kind of taking almost taking the intensity out of the game they basically um played the ball through the back a lot a lot and kind of took took a, took their time on the ball but that that might be why Everton changed it in the second half where they pushed their players that extra yard up and it, it that intensity showed and it and, and Palace wilted ultimately didn't they yeah they did just let them get into it we couldn't come back for them it's, yeah they they did make a so Deli Ali coming on for Andre Gomez. Is that was that, that was a half time sub, or was it? Was it just after half time? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and obviously that's a more attacking player for a, for a defensive midfielder. So they they obviously, I mean, it's it's a, it's a very championship manager's uh, substitution, but but it obviously did work because it meant that they were on the front foot and, and maybe playing five ten yards further up the pitch. Uh, and they do have, I mean. It's mad that we've gone into the penultimate game of the season with Everton potentially getting relegated. I mean, when you look at their squad, really, it is, it's crazy. They do have some excellent players there. Um, I mean, that, that front three, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, Gordon is an excellent player. Deli Alley has completely lost his way uh, recently, but is excellent. Alex Iwobi on his day is a good player. Decore is a good... This is a good team. So I don't know yeah. what's been happening with them that they haven't been able to, to turn in the performances. And it's, it's just absolutely typical Palace that we saw them in that second half suddenly remember that they are an Everton team with good players and and uh, and turn it on. But I, I, I don't think we can... Yes, I'll obviously down to Everton, but we can't shy away, Rob, from the fact that some of the defending for those goals was, was pretty shambolic. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I think if you if you look at both of the first two goals, it, it's kind of Tyrick Mitchell's fault. I mean, you could argue that he wasn't getting the cover that he needed, but... The, the first one, he basically watched the ball, uh, and the second one, he allowed the the cross to come in when really he should have been a little bit tighter. I think it was Coleman. Was it Coleman that delivered the cross in for the second one? Um, it just felt a little bit like that. They they targeted that left side maybe because I think Wolf was was not quite doing the defensive job that he maybe needed to do in order to help out. Uh, Tyrick. Um, I thought. Then, I thought in the first half, I was. I remember think, watching that, thinking Tyrick's having a good game. I yeah, thought he looked. He, yeah. was, he was getting forward a little bit, getting some crosses in. I, mean, I thought he looked confident. I don't know what happened. If if you ask Adam, and we, you know, we'll talk. We'll talk to Adam in the second half. Um, he'll tell you that three mistakes lead to a goal, and ultimately there were three mistakes that led to each of those goals. You know, whether it's a case of Palace 
being rushed in midfield and not making the right decisions or, you know, just defensive errors with Tyrick Mitchell making a mistake or crosses coming in. And all of these things ultimately are not just the, the fault of one individual player. It's it's a multitude of players making mistakes that lead to lead to these incidents. Um and then for the third one, I actually thought Anthony Taylor gave a really weak free kick to Everton when I thought it was Wilf that got fouled. And then I, I said this in our little WhatsApp chat, Gay got a very clear push from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, very, very clear in the back, which gave Calvert-Lewin a free run on the ball. And again, VAR doesn't act upon that. I get it. At that point, the intensity is there. Everton have, you know, they've got a pitch invasion to worry about, all this other stuff. But it just... You know, the, the winning goal, I feel a little bit hard done by for Palace. It was a, a weird Man U side to be playing at the moment. They, they're, they're like this weirdly kind of unspirited, dispirited hodgepodge of quality players that, that just don't seem to be a team at all, do they? And so Palace, with their... Joel Ward at centre-back didn't really have a great deal of difficulty in dealing with them, did they? No, it's probably one of our easier wins of the season. I think we never really looked in too much danger of conceding. I don't think Wiley tried to make any great saves. I think it was one one he saved in the second half, tipped over the bar. But yeah, they would, like you say, Rob, collection of good players, but there was no cohesion in terms of team play from them. And I think we did just about enough to win. We didn't play that amazingly ourselves, to be fair. I wouldn't say it's one of our better performances of the season, but um, yeah, it's nice to beat them. Kind of feels a bit like an uncompetitive end to the season. And then we've now played, I mean, we played Man at Man U at home, and then the, 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 there have been a few that were almost, I mean, the Watford game felt the same way as this one, really. That almost like the t- a team that just was just here to kind of go through the motions a little bit. And, and, and in, in this case, I think Palace, Palace did the, the, got the best of them and, and, and it was a deserved win. But as I said to Nav, it, that, that team just isn't really... It, it, it's not really a cohesive unit, is it, that Man U side? It's probably the worst one I've ever seen, actually, I think. <laughs> but, uh, there's not a lot there, is there? I mean, you look at the team they put on the field today, the question you'd ask yourself is how many of those players would you be desperate to have at Crystal Palace? Mm. And I've got to say, not too many. They've got a massive rebuilding job to do. And I would doubt, to the level, talked about Palace's summer recruitment last year and the work, the level of the work that was involved, I think theirs is even greater than, than Palace's was last summer. I think they've got a massive overhaul. And I guess it's probably going to take them several windows because even being the club they are and the financial power they've got, I still think they're going to struggle to to do it all very quickly. You know, I think it's going to take a long time and, you know, they'll have the difficulty, I guess, of clubs like Newcastle that will have spending power as well and and they could find their place in the sort of top part of the table, you know, the top six or their place among the top six under threat a little bit in the next year or two. I mean, I said to you a few times on the podcast this year that outside of the top two and then Chelsea, I don't think the rest are particularly good. And when I say particularly good, you know, I don't mean that they're a cut above the rest. Tottenham have got the fourth place because they've got Son and Harry Kane. But the rest, if you put those two players in Crystal Palace's team, we'd be in the top four. Yeah. Simple as that. It's the, the the rest of their group isn't particularly stronger than Palace's Arsenal's isn't, and that's been borne out in the results we've had against them this year. I actually think, you know, as I said to you before, 
you know, when you look at the table tonight and we're eight points away from something like a European place or whatever it was at the end, you can see that we've probably done too many points over the season that we'll regret. I mean, everybody, you know, I'm not naive enough to say to you that every club... You know, we'll look at their fans, will look at their team and say, oh, we should have done better there and we didn't get that there. But I think it's been a consistent theme. We've had a very good season in terms of performance levels. They're probably the best level of performances we've had as a Premier League club in nine seasons. We've been competitive in nearly every game. Chelsea away, Tottenham away, probably you'd say not. Not particularly competitive at Goodison in the second half the other night, but... I think you could say over the season, there's not many games we've tossed off where you'd say, you know, we've been hopeless. Yeah. And that's probably the disappointment. Too many draws that should have been wins and too many defeats that should have been draws. And I think that's where we've got to go. But again, there'll need to be some surgery during the summer. Uh, let's move on to part uh three in a minute before i do that how about kevin uh burt head gasket nice yeah nice for the older palisade i don't i, I can't drive so i'm assuming that's a <laughs> i'll a ask i'll ask car. ali i see there's a head gasket somewhere there is. on street cut parking no it doesn't work does it? <laughs> <laughs> like that. that's very good that's very good right uh we're about more of those i'm sure after this but also questions Welcome back to the Fabric Plan Podcast. Hey! Part three is questions. We are, of course, sponsored by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Uh, right, question time. I had a lot of questions about rate the season, all that kind of stuff. I might save those, Kevin, for next week for yeah, our the season special, where we will be literally rating the season and handing out some FIP awards and all that kind of stuff. Before that, then, someone that I thought might pop up in Winners and Losers who hasn't. So let's ask a question about that now from uh, Ben Frankwick. Hello, Hello, ben. Hello, Ben. After a promising cameo against Man United, do you think Jez Raksaki will be a permanent fixture in the senior squad next season? Kevin, did you like what you saw on Sunday? I I did yeah oh, yeah you you I yeah he looked um he didn't look out of place which I think is a a compliment for such a young player he was comfortable carrying the ball I tell you what he did really well Jordan Ayew style was win free kicks he he really knows how to put his body in front of a defender to get free kicks but no he didn't look out of place the only misgivings I have about any player on Sunday was Edwards. I'm not entirely sure that Edward's playing where he wants to play. He doesn't, you know, he had such a brilliant start to the season that maybe that's given us, made us more impatient to see more from him. But no, Raksaki, it, it, it's, again, Vieira, it's it's the perfect game to start Raksaki, isn't it? Uh, fans are never going to have a go at him. But he looked, certainly in the first half, he was right in front of us. And he looked... He looked the part. He looked he looked really good. And then the, the games that I've seen him play, I've only seen three or four 
uh, junior games, but he's looked really good there. But yeah, and he, I think he'll be on the bench a lot of games. It'd be interesting to see how they manage him. But it's really interesting because I think by the end of that game, Dom, they were between the two teams, there were six players under the age of twenty, yeah. both teams, which is which is good to see. He's he has a great he's had a great season, hasn't he, Dom, for the uh for the under twenty threes top scorer, I believe, with eighteen or nineteen goals. I mean, there are questions about does he get a loan next season to a championship club right. or, or lower down to get some pitch time, or or do you think he'll be more involved with, with the first team? I guess, I guess it depends on, on recruitment and what who's brought in, but I, I would I would suggest that it would feel 70-30 that he goes out on loan. Then gets a season, maybe championship. I think championship probably more than than League One, but anywhere where he's guaranteed to play, basically, and and get a full season of senior football under his belt, because he'll come back if he does well at that. Then then he's ready for the next step. I, 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 you see flashes from him, but at this age and with this lack of experience which is you know his, his last appearance in the first team was on the opening day um at chelsea yeah um i think i think you you gain the sort of game awareness and the strength and the and the confidence by with game time and 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 i think in this case it would be it would be slightly lower down the pyramid it's it's strange though, Dom, isn't it? It, it seems more likely at Palace. You look at Wan Bissaka, you look at Mitchell, it seems more likely that defenders get thrown straight in at the deep end than, than attacking players do. And like you know, Gay's only 20, 21. So it's you'd kind of think, well, if 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 Mitchell can play a full season at 90, why can't Raksaki? But I I think it's probably harder for youngsters to influence a game at that end of the pitch, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, and it's also the, the where where you've got your where, where you're well stocked in, yeah, in players. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. Wamba Saka only came in because Palace had no defenders at a period. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, Gay's obviously got a lot of talent, but he has there is a there's a prime example actually, weirdly, because he has spent the last few years getting yeah, game yeah. time on, yeah. on loan in, in the championship, yeah. etc. So he was ready for Premier League football and the challenge that that brings. Um, I, I, you know, in, in wide areas. If Palace have got Zaha, you just mentioned Edouard, who might be operating off the left in prefer, out of preference. Um, Alise, when he's fit, we're presuming there's, well, there's a good chance that IU is still there next season, and they may well add another one, in which case, realistically, is is Raksaki going to get that much other than the occasional cameo off the bench? And it's it's what the the, the club and the and Vieira and his staff, and indeed people like even Mark Bright and, and, and who are in charge of loans will be looking at and they have to weigh it up. You know, where is he, where will he benefit most? Where, what will benefit his career, but also Crystal Palace in the long term and game time, I suggest would probably be a preference. And is that mostly about physical strength, Dominic, or is it just about getting them game time? I think it's, I think it's getting a body ready to play Monday, Tuesday, sorry, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, or, yeah. or you know, three times a week, it's, it's a different challenge in the championship. It toughens you up. I think it undoubtedly toughens you up. It gets, it gets you used to the exertions of you know running fifteen kilometers every three days in a competitive environment, of of seeing also what life is like outside a Premier League football club where livelihoods are at stake, where yeah. amongst your teammates more than anything else, you know, these guys are on shorter contracts. Generally, they're not earning as much. They, it means more to them, you know, if they, if they, if they lose their, their position in the team and they're, you know, financially, they, they really suffer. And I think 
uh, Premier League level, a lot of these guys. I mean, I'm talking more in terms of the elite clubs. I mean, the, your Chelsea's and your your Cities who loan an awful lot of players out, but those guys are earning, you know, more per week than half the squads of the teams yeah. that they're joining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the case with Raksaki, but I think it would. I think it opens their eyes to to what football is is like as a livelihood and 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 toughens them up physically and, and mentally. I mean there's a lot of pressure. There's so much pressure and they have to yeah. learn how to deal with that. Under 23's football doesn't provide any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean there are questions Kevin uh, off the back of that about the forward line for next season. Uh we talk about Mateta a lot on this podcast. Uh DC I sent a question in. Hi DC. Hi DC. Catch uh, DC. I've Top It's cat. a cartoon reference it's fine. Top cat. Top cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um uh, DC says, I've seen loads of questions, but nobody has covered the important one. Did anyone shout boom when Mateta kicked the corner flag at Everton? <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not. I'm guessing people maybe forgot. The, the, well, uh, there, would, there would have been some booms going on in the background, but there would have been sound effects from the flares, I'm guessing. But not. <laughs> exactly. A lot of booms <laughs> later on. Yeah. Um, but it's Ricky B. Uh, hello, Ricky hello it's. Hello, it, very good. Um, says, uh, given we can't, he's put afford in quote marks, the perfect top level forward but still muddled through reasonably well how do we address the front line next season i'd imagine kevin that's going to be top of the list for palace in the summer i don't know if that's true i i think uh, I, i'm guessing that conor gallagher will go back to chelsea because he's publicly said that he's a chelsea fan i, I think that will be top of the list replacing him to be honest it's a big uh, it's a big task whether that's done by another loan player or by uh, an actual transfer, I don't know, but I think that'll be there. That'll be the first portal call. I think if you look at the goal difference, I know it's down to defensive strength that we haven't struggled for goals particularly. And also, the trouble is again, it's a cliche, but everybody's looking for a twenty-goal a season striker. We've got a fifteen-goal a season striker in Will. For what you need to do is is put players around him that can chip in with 10, 12. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure whether the first priority is. A top goal. So, I mean, again, everyone's talking about Enketia. It seems to me that Arsenal would be yeah. mad to get rid of Enketia. He had such a good end of season. He looks, but again, I don't know whether he's a player who wants to be guaranteed first team football. So that's an interesting one. But I, I think right back, as Dominic said, I think right back is something they'll be looking at. But otherwise, I think they'll think that the defence can get through another season without necessarily adding to it. I think the big the big task is midfield. I think you probably need a a Kiati replacement or a Kiate type player, but a bit younger and a bit better as a technically as a footballer. And you need a Conor Gallagher replacement. I'm not. Sure. I think Will Hughes would think that he's he's the Conor Gallagher replacement. Whether that's correct or not, I don't know. But I I don't think a striker is going to be their first priority. Although you know, Mateta. What looked like being a disaster has turned out to be a reasonable gamble. So you don't, you don't know. That's a really good point, Dom, isn't it? That actually, we, we've for years we've been saying when a Palace going to f- sign a fifteen twenty season goal a season striker, um, and we have one, and we we have one in our squad. So, so actually, maybe uh, Kevin's right. That doesn't become the uh, the priority at all. And in fact, we've got a question from one of my favourite listeners, Magic CPFC, uh, mainly because of all the emojis he puts on his questions. Um, (laughs) Apparently, we're in for an attacking defensive midfielder plus a centre-back this summer. Do we think we need any more? Um, Always love the pod as hashtag standard. And then he's put red heart, blue heart, eagle, clap, 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 clap. (laughs) I just love, I love those emojis so much. Um, But actually, 
Kevin's right. We do have a 15 goal a season striker, admittedly heading towards uh, the age of 30. Is he 30 yet? It's certainly 29. 29. Uh, but yeah, it, maybe if you bring in players around him, you don't need to yeah. splash out on a big forward because you've already got one. Yeah, we, as you say, 15 goal striker on the books already, and it hasn't stopped us complaining about profligacy for most of this season. To be yeah. perfectly honest, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it is about it is about supplementing the team in other areas and, and making sure that everybody's chipping in. And in fairness, I've not done a bad job of that. Although that 50 goals, we have scored more uh, than that in a in a in a recent season as well, yeah. even under in under Roy in just yeah. the season before lockdown. Um, I, I look. There's an opportunism. There has to be an opportunism whenever a club like Palace goes out into the market. Um, and I think the the links and the interest in Enketia was born of the reality that he was free or, yeah. or compensation costs for to Arsenal for him. So he would have been a almost a no-brainer if, if the wage was sensible. Now, the, the, suge- the suggestions are that Arsenal have now on the back of a very fine end to the season for Enketia have offered him 100 grand a week to stay. Uh, on, a, on a long-term contract, um, he'll probably end up being the second-choice striker because they'll go out and and buy a, I don't know, a Calvert-Lewin type player or or somebody from Italy. They've been linked with a few players over there. Um, so he 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 may be in, a, be in a situation in a year's time where he he's frustrated again. But you know that's that's for him to weigh up this summer what what his best opportunity will be again where he can get more game time. I'm not sure that Eddie and Ketia would necessarily get into Palace's team at the moment yeah. just because I don't think he's a lone forward, is he? And we play one up effectively. Um, yeah. So I think the actual priority, Kev's absolutely right. I think it's across midfield. It's it's defensive midfielders because Kiate is likely to leave. Then you, you, Milovievich, what happens with him? There's a there's talk of interest from Greece. I don't know whether there's anything in that, but there's about to partisan as well for him. Yeah, well, and he's only yeah. got a year left on his contract yeah. as well, so it would be it would be the time to sell. Um, it would also get a, a hefty wage off the off the wage bill. Um, they obviously need. I mean, Chikadukore has been um, mentioned at length. I suspect there'll be a lot of competition for him. I don't think that's a straightforward deal for Palace to do at Lens, um, but he is the type of player that they're after. So I, I would imagine that two, possibly three midfielders coming in, um, hopefully one that's got the similar kind of dynamism that Conor Gallagher has showed, but they'll also want defensive cover. They'll want a player maybe that can come in a young ball playing center half stroke, right back, a, a player that's comfortable in both those positions. who can cover both those positions. Um, and is there for the long term, as opposed to like a Wardy or a Klein figure who are maybe at the other end of their careers. Um, so, but that's, we're only talking like four or five additions there. Um, which was actually pretty much what they did last year as well. It was six yeah. last year, I think. Yeah. And I don't think they'll be spending 60, 70 million pounds. I think there'll be a bit of a bit of wheeling and dealing, and there'll be some outgoings as well. Some of those fringe players will, will be leaving just to clear them off the books and bring a bit of money in. Do you think Dominus will be the first season for some time that there's no speculation about Wilf leaving? Well, you can't say that really because he's only got a year left in his contract. Right. And and again, this would be the time to sell if he wasn't going to sign a new contract. Because if, you, if you're worried about losing him for nothing when he's approaching his 30th birthday in, in a year's time, then if an offer came in that was outlandish, they'd have to look at it if, if they got indications from him that he isn't interested in, in, in re-signing at, at Palace. But, but all the noises from him, and it's... 
this is the first time it's been like this for a while. All the noises are positive. He 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 clearly loves playing for Vieira. Yeah. He's he's there isn't the same amount of strain placed on him in terms of the attacking yeah. approach play of the, t- of the team. He's got players around him that are allowing him to express himself, creating space for him as well because defenders can't just you know swarm all over him. They have to look after Elise. They have to look after Herbis as well. So I, I I suspect that while it's not a priority, that if nothing's happened by September when the window is closed, I suspect there will be a contract extension then. Yeah, and Wolf can see out his days. I was about to say Wolf can become the Matt Letizia of Palace, but actually, do you know what? Ooh, that, no, that's opening that. another can of words. <laughs> so uh, let's avoid that um, big time. But um, yeah, I think I think Wolf will see out his days at Palace. Um, do you know what? So next week, we're going to answer all your questions about, and we've got loads of questions here from people about um, rating the season and best game this season, et cetera, et cetera. How has Vieira stepped up? All that. We're going to do that next next week with a proper end of season pod. Um, so I think we'll sort of leave it there, really. Of course, we'll be back during the summer with some transfer pods and stuff when stuff happens, and we can talk about all that kind of stuff as well. So do keep your ears peeled. Not a phrase, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, for uh, pods throughout the season from us. But this wraps up sort of regular pods for this season, really. So um, that's it. Dom, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. And Kevin, can I put to you from yes. Dave Lewis, yeah. Merck, Merck Edworthy? <laughs> yeah, that's very good. You a fan of that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about Suzuki Keith Millen? No, nice, yeah, yeah. From Matt Albert. And then finally from Mick D, Aki Realiety. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, thank you very much for well, just just being you. Oh, oh, that's you. Uh, right. So we're back next week with the end of season special, um, and otherwise, keep your ears open for more FYPs over the coming weeks and months. Uh, but we hope you've enjoyed this season as much as we have on FYP. Uh, thank you so much for all your questions throughout the season. Thank you to. Eternity Home Finance for sponsoring this week and all our sponsors throughout the season. We really appreciate it. Good luck to the Remph boys uh, on Friday night. So that's it. Enjoy, well, enjoy the summer, I guess. But you'll hear from us again very soon. But until then, take care and we'll see you again. Bye. Podcast Network.